Recorded live at Toxin Tasting Studios, it's the Clerical Errors Podcast. The podcast that shows you what's behind the collar. Let's go. All right, welcome from the Toxin Tasting Studios. I'm Bullhagen. And I'm Vicar. It's a one and a half pastors episode today. Berg is busy being a pastor. That's right. Which takes a little more, a little more importance than this podcast. So mm-hmm. he's been very busy. Uh, so... So he is not with us today, so you'll have to bear through just the two of us. And I will try to use as many big words as I poss- as I possibly can so people can uh, get used to it. And Peter's here too. How you doing, Pete? Hey, not too bad. That's good. That's good. And we're recording on a Sunday evening, mm. which is always interesting because our voices are a little more tired. But that's okay. It's a nice day out, and we're ready to go. So... I brought the drink today. Okay. It's a new one I don't think we've had yet. I look forward to it. All right. Yeah. I uh, actually got them yesterday, and they were cold. They're not cold anymore. <laughs> but they should be okay. All right. Good. Tell me if you've had this before. It is called um, Vanilla Cream Muscle Milk. <laughs> <laughs> You're not lactose intolerant, are you, Vicar? I don't think so. <laughs> we'll find out. So what, what muscle milk is, it's a protein shake. <laughs> now, shake. doesn't that have to stay refrigerated, though? <laughs> After opening. Shake well. Sealed for your protection. <laughs> All right. Let's crack these bad boys open. I got a good uh, good workout in with my son today, so I kind of need this. I did too. <laughs> what did you do? Lunges? <laughs> Just a couple uh, deadlifts off the floor. Okay. With the 22-pound baby. There you go. Maybe some preacher curls, right? I do not know what a preacher curl is. Oh, preacher curl is, uh, do you know, uh, well, you know what a curl is, right? Yes. Right. Preacher curl is the one where you sit down and then you, you lay your arms across this pad okay. that's in front of you, and so it isolates your arms. And they call it preacher curls because it looks like you're in a like in a like a kneeler or a, a stand, <laughs> nice. like you're in a like you're praying. Okay. So uh, is this? Uh, have you ever had muscle milk before? You know, I think in high school, when I was trying to gain some muscle, <laughs> how'd that work out for you? Not too well. <laughs> Not too well. <laughs> but uh, vanilla, I think, is different. I think I usually went with chocolate. So, yeah, bottoms up. Ah, that's, that's not bad. <laughs> yep, pretty smooth. It's got that uh, that artificial sweetener aftertaste a little bit. Yeah. I've always felt that drinks like this you just have to bear with it to get through. It's kind of like the throwback to the kale challenge, right? Oh, yes. 25 grams of protein. We're, we're going to be powered up for this episode. Let's do it. We're looking ahead to to uh, next Sunday and uh, Lent 2. And uh, Bicker, do you have something to say about... Uh, you were going to say something about the gospel reading? Well... <clears throat> Just that uh, in, in Bible class right now, adult Bible study, I'm covering the Mark 
version of the faith of a, a Canaanite woman or a Syrophoenician woman, depending on the gospel that you're reading. Mm-hmm. So in Mark, it shows up in uh, Mark chapter seven, mm-hmm. and uh, but in uh, the one year series, we get the Matthew version from Matthew 15, starting at verse 21. And um, perhaps what stands out with uh, this text and always kind of creates questions maybe in people's minds. Because Jesus seems a little rude. Right. Yeah. His response to the Canaanite woman who comes asking him to have mercy on her daughter who is demon possessed, his response seems a little rude. Uh, I was only sent to the lost sheep and to the house of Israel, he says. Right. Which isn't true. No. <laughs> no. Not ultimately. And not, yeah. Well, not I guess true. it is true. It has to be true because Jesus wouldn't lie. I don't, <laughs> this is where we need Berg. Yeah. This is where Berg would say, okay, listen here. <laughs> we need Berg. <laughs> well, yeah, and I've I've um, considered the, you know, consider the progression from uh Jerusalem to Judea to the ends of the earth and how that's reflected that's in Acts with the mission of the early church Mm -hmm. that's reflected in Jesus own ministry I mean his disciples are are called and he does primarily his ministry first in Galilee and Judea um, but he begins to to reach out to Gentile country Um, but I'll let you I'll let you go on with uh the next response, too, that Jesus has. Well, the next response was, uh, it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. So so uh, he is, in a sense, uh, calling her a dog. But she says, um, yes, but even, even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Then Jesus answered her, a woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. So what did you say in Bible study about this? Well, it will be, uh, it's tomorrow. Okay. So the, this is a good preview. Um, but uh, there's a couple, I think we got to look at a couple things here. Uh, first, um, look at the persistence of the woman um, in yep. pleading, going to the feet of Jesus and pleading at his feet. And even his first response that he was only sent to the lost sheep of Israel she continues to call out, Lord, help me. Uh, because he, he knows. Yeah. He knows. Yeah. He knows that she's going to not give up. Right. And um, when Jesus says it's not right to take the children's bread, the children would be the children of Israel, um, and throw it to the dogs, we see her uh, take his words and make a proclamation of faith that even the crumbs that come from Jesus are enough. Right. And, and don't get the wrong impression, listener, that that uh, it wasn't the wit of her response. No. I think sometimes we can think, oh, boy, she had just the right answer. But it's really the faith behind that response that continued to trust in the goodness of the Lord Jesus Christ, even when she couldn't hear it right away. She held on to the mercy of, of Jesus, even when it, it looked helpless or hopeless, she still trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah, and faith doesn't need a massive banquet. In Mark, this this uh, story follows 
the feeding of the 5,000. And of course, our Lord abundantly provides and feeds for uh, the whole Christian church on earth. Mm -hmm. But also, we have that a little bit. You know, when we take Holy Communion in the Lutheran Church, typically, you're only going to receive a little tiny wafer and a little sip of wine. It's not going to be, you know, you're you're, uh, chugging a whole glass or uh, taking a massive amount of uh, unleavened bread. Mm -hmm. It's just a little because... uh, by God's word, uh, Jesus does much more than we could ever imagine with just the smallest amount. And uh, I think uh, a couple of things is one thing I love about the readings here is is they all have the same kind of theme. So in the the, the first reading is from Genesis chapter thirty two, uh, where uh, Jacob wrestles with God, and. Uh, he wrestles and wrestles until God touches his hip and uh, and ends it there. Um, but uh, the name Israel means... To struggle or wrestle with God. Yeah. yeah. So so that's the Old Testament <clears throat> lesson, just like uh, the woman um, who was, was pleading, the Canaanite woman who was pleading for her daughter was wrestling with Jesus. Right. And then the epistle reading is from Romans chapter 5, which uh, talks about sufferings. Hmm. And, uh, and maybe you can speak to this, Vicar, is uh, sometimes people think it's kind of strange if when they're in the hospital, for example. And uh, and I say to them, you know, your sins are forgiven. Because what's maybe the natural thought someone might have? Well, the natural thought might be that, well, that's not, that's not what I need right now. Right. That's not my greatest need. Right. But in, in Romans chapter 5, it talks about it begins a discussion on suffering, but it begins with, uh, since you have, we have peace with God, right through our faith. And then it goes on to to explain how uh, suffering produces perseverance, and perseverance perseverance produces character, and character produces hope, a hope that will not disappoint us. But it all begins with the fact that we have peace with God through the forgiveness of our sins. It starts from there, and because you have peace with God. You can look at your sufferings in a different way. Yeah. And you can look at the suffering that the, the woman went through for her daughter. You know, would she seek Jesus without that? We don't know. But, but certainly it played a role. And so all of these lessons uh, talk about how we as people, um, as, as sinners, we wrestle with God. Yeah, and, and one great place to look in the scriptures uh, for this, not only with the readings that we've talked about today uh, that are coming up for Lent 2 in the one-year series, but also look at the Psalms of Lament. Um, the Psalms of Lament are uh, prayers of David that are crying out to God. Uh, he's looking around him, and he's seeing that the promises of God that God has promised are not what he's seen. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes, this is our experience on earth. And I think I think you'll talk about it with your uh, your bit today. So Yeah. And, and I, I, just to kind of sum this all up, I will point to the collect of the day, which which if you're kind of wondering what the theme might be, a lot of times uh, the collect of the day gives you direction. That's right. A little, a little sermon hack. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You know, if you're wondering what kind of direction you, maybe you should take with a text, a lot of times the collect of the day has a good law gospel theme. 
And, and this one does as well. It says, O God, you see that of ourselves we have no strength. By your mighty power, defend us from all adversities that may happen to the body and from all evil thoughts that may assault and hurt the soul. Through Jesus Christ, your Son. And, uh, and that deals with exactly what's going on in all three texts. Right. Wrestling with God. That brings us to, uh, not a top 12 list, but today we have a what it is, what it ain't, and what it could be. Peter, play the intro. What is it? Who knows? We do. It's time for what it is, what it ain't, what it could be. Today we are going to, uh, for our what it is, what it ain't, and what it could be, we're going to talk about bearing the cross and what that means. And, uh, and, uh, it's a interesting discussion. Vicar, do you have a kind of a, just a kind of a general kind of idea what bearing the cross might be? I think a lot of it is, you can see in all three texts, which kind of led me to this, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, for the Christian, bearing the cross is, uh, fixing our eyes on Jesus and where Jesus goes, we can expect the Christian to go. And in Jesus' life, it's one marked with not only physical pain and suffering, but uh, tempted by the devil, spiritually uh, assaulted, as well as uh, shamed in front of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so bearing the cross is um, in following our Lord, our life, and uh, he tells the disciples this, will look similar to the life of Jesus in that we will have uh, assaults or struggles in this life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually talked a little bit mm-hmm. about that today in the sermon when it comes to temptation as being kind of a suffering. Right. Because temptation takes on a whole new level as a Christian. Right. Because uh, you have the sinful flesh and the sinful desires, and you have also what Christ is making you as well. And that is something that, you know, it makes things harder. Yeah, and this is not to say that we earn our salvation by the way we handle what God gives us in life. That That is not the case at all. It's that once we have been brought into the body of Christ, which is the church, right? our life is going to look a whole lot like our Lord and Savior's. And we actually find comfort in that because we aren't alone uh, our Lord is with us, and actually our brothers and sisters in Christ are with us. And and when you think of it this way, if, if we realize how uh, filthy our sins are compared to the righteousness of God, when these two worlds collide, there's going to be something. Right? Yeah. No, <laughs> you know, when the righteousness of Christ met with the evil world, it meant for him a cross. Yeah. It, it's it's, it's uh, two things that... Uh, it, it's uh, fire and dynamite. It's, it's two things that do not coexist very easily, but yet it coexists in us. Yeah. We're both sinner and saint. Right. So, um, so bearing the cross, what it is. What it is. Bearing the cross is for the Christian. And this is what I mean by that is it's not just plain old suffering. It's, it's suffering, uh, because of Christ. And so, and so when you when you think of it this way, because a lot of times it's thrown off, thrown out like this. You know, I have a cross to bear, but it's just general suffering, right? 
um, there's no there's no real nobility in just suffering. Yeah, yeah, and and there is, um, yeah, certainly in uh, the acts of speaking the word of God or or living as a Christian will will bring upon affliction on the person. And I also do think that the Christian looks even at uh, the suffering in their everyday life with new eyes once they are joined to Jesus in in holy baptism and are nurtured through the faith. But but I, yeah, I know what you're saying when you when you're saying it's not just general. Yeah, and and so I'll give you an example too. Is is in Christ Jesus because of His love and His grace and mercy to us. It teaches us to love, right? Right. And there is, and, and listener, you might know this, there is nothing more painful sometimes than to love someone. Hmm. Uh, having a loved one go through a tough time. Having someone close to you who's fallen away from the church. Right. You know, there are all sorts of of crosses that we bear just because we have been given eyes like Jesus. Hmm. Not perfectly, obviously, but he teaches us to see things the way he does, and then that gives us a cross to bear. Right. What it is. Uh, Bearing the cross shows how the devil and the world don't hate sin, but they hate Christ who is in you. What do I mean by that? Well, as soon as you're baptized, you have um, your target. Yeah. And... uh, and specifically, the devil hates the fact that Christ is in you and his plan. We talked about that today in the temptations of Jesus, where he tried to pull Christ away. And, and we looked at his sufferings um, uh, in the wilderness as he was tempted. The devil is trying to rob us all of the gospel. And, uh, and so if the devil hates the Christ in you, there is going to be some bitterness because let's let's be honest if you're not in christ you belong to the devil the devil and um if jesus said if you're not for me you're against me so as a christian uh you know that you are a marked person and that's just the way it is the devil uh does not hate sin no (laughs) he he hates the christ that is in you and that's leads us to bear the cross Mm. what it is Bearing the cross also means self-denial. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, one reason for this is uh, uh, we, because of our fallen nature, and what I mean by that is our sin that we've inherited from our first parents, Adam and Eve, uh, we are turned in on ourselves naturally due mm-hmm. to our original state. We're totally corrupt on our own as sinners. Um, and so uh, this is this is the way that our sinful flesh, this is the way the devil wants us to view ourselves. Mm-hmm. And even when we interact with other people, the devil wants us to interact with other people by putting us first, ourselves mm-hmm. first. I tried, yeah. tried to explain some of this in, in uh, my sermon today when talking about the suffering of temptation in the sense that Temptation make, you know, is a way, a way of making hard decisions. Um, as a Christian, uh, the temptation to sin, sin promises comfort. If it promises 
yeah, some sort of a better life, right? Uh, and um, and when we look at uh, now, this is born out of the gospel. Remember, this is for Christians. Right. This is after. This is not so Christ saves you. It's because right. He has saved you, because He is leading you in His grace, and He gets you to see things in a different way. It, it leads you to see things in a different way, and so. Just like the example of love, just like also when it comes to other things, you know, as a Christian, you can't, you don't want to live like the world does, and it, and it sometimes, uh, it, it kind of blows up the tranquility in life that we have. Yeah, and and during Lent, we can consider some historic Lenten practices that that train the Christian to deny oneself, and and for example, uh, fasting is a tr- historic mm-hmm. traditional uh lenten discipline um and, and you know, yeah. I mean you can't get any clearer than Jesus saying he would follow me to den- must, must deny, deny yourself yeah. take up your cross right. and follow me right i mean, I mean uh right. baptism itself is a self denial you're buried with christ your old adam your sinful desires are buried with christ through contrition and repentance right. and a new person arises so even that if in itself, you know, you're den- you're in a sense denying your own will. You're you're recognizing that there will there is a will greater than your own. Yeah, and so Jesus talks about how uh, this can fa- tear families apart. You know, mother against daughters, mother-in-law yeah. against daughters-in-laws, and all those things because because it breaks up your tranquility. It, you deny certain things. Right. And and. Uh, um, Paul talks about this a lot when he he's talking to to Christians who who uh, lived life one way and now are called as a Christian in their adult life, mm. and he talks a lot about your former things, your mm. former life, the way you used to think, and I think that'd be awfully hard to to make that switch when you're used to right. all kinds of sins and dealing with them in a certain way. Uh, I, that would be awfully hard. So they understood bearing the cross in a real way, but there is a denial of yourself. Sometimes uh, a recognition that uh, you know social structure changes, mm-hmm. and it also then includes the fact that part of all of this is battling with your own sinful flesh. Right. Yeah. And that being said, please, listener, remember this is all done in the context when you're bearing the cross. You're bearing a cross because you're Christian. You're forgiven. Please don't understand that I'm saying you battle your flesh so that yeah. Christ forgives you. Yeah. But it's the fact that as a Christian, as a baptized Christian, because that is who you are, it changes you. Right. You you don't live like you used to live. Right. Right. You see things differently. And and it it leads you into going into uncomfortable situations. Um that you may not even want to go, but you do because you're following Jesus. You know, I think of uh, when Jesus called the fishermen to be disciples. It sounds like a really, if you go to that area of the world, I'm told, um, uh, maybe someday I'll, I'll go uh, to the Holy Land. But I, I'm told that it, it's a really tranquil, beautiful mm-hmm. place. And the thought of just kind of going out there and being a fisherman sounds like a nice life. Sure, yeah. And uh, and I always think of when I when Jesus calls the disciples, "Come follow me." Do they know what they're getting into? <laughs> do they know the crosses that they're going to bear? Do they know that they're going to die for this? You know, yeah. Abso- think of yeah. the hard life that they had, right? But yet they they wouldn't change it for the world, right? Their hard life 
they saw as good because they were following Christ and his cross. It changed them. It changed how they viewed it. the world. It changed what was good. You know, it changed. They wanted to go because Christ commanded it. Also, because they loved the word of God. They loved the gospel. They loved the resurrection. They went to the ends of the earth to proclaim that even till their death because it was part of bearing the cross that, that God gave them. Yeah, Paul can even talk about finding joy in his suffering because he knows why he is suffering. It's for the sake of the gospel. Right. And uh, and this, you know, practically speaking, this is why it's important to raise our children uh, in the word of God, rooted in the word of God, uh, continuing to even pr- after, prior to and after confirmation, uh, because they're going to be stepping out into a world where the devil and the world are going to be ganging up on the Christian. Right. Actually, yeah. I actually talked this way some one yeah. time because uh, someone I had actually a representative who asked me about from Concordia Publishing House. Okay, <laughs> asked me about uh, VBS. All right, and uh, and the way I kind of said is I want you to think about all the things that these kids are up against. What kind of life and challenges they're going to have. Think of the kind of challenges already they have with all this transgender nonsense being thrown yeah. at them from an early age, and all of the, think of all the things that are against them. And we gather together for for VBS, and it's cartoon animals. It's a water park. It's <laughs> a, you know, is that really going to prepare them? I mean, right. honestly, right? Is that prepare them for to bear the cross in a real way? And. uh you know, that's something for churches to think about, parents to teach about, to think about, Sunday school teachers, pastors to think about. You know, um, these, they, they are having, you're asking them as Christians to have a difficult life. Yeah. And, you know, to have, to, to make VBS about, you know, just strictly about an entertaining time where we get to throw Jesus' name in there once in a while. Is that really prepare them for that? Right. Yeah. So. All right. Another thing. What it is. What it is. It is an actual reason to rejoice when the world hates you. And I have a biblical reference here if you want to look this up. Um, Acts chapter 5, verse 41. Okay. The, uh, the apostles are flogged. Right. Uh, and uh, what is their response after receiving a flogging, Vicar? Then they left the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name, which is the name of Christ. Yeah. So so they, they, you know, I mean, fl- that's not a fun thing to be flogged. <laughs> no, I imagine not. <laughs> and, uh, and and they, they rejoiced that, wow. <laughs> right. You know. That uh, they were worthy to suffer for Christ. Yeah. I mean, you know, that goes back. These are the people I just talked about as being uh, fishermen. Yeah. <laughs> right. You know, you're talking Peter who was afraid of you being associated with, with Jesus, you know, the night when he died. Now they rejoice at being flogged. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and, and so with that in mind, uh, it's a, it's a different way of looking at at the Christian life. What it is. An expression of love. And actually, we talked about this passage in Bible study today. 
um, from Hebrews chapter 12, verses 6 through 10, where, where Jesus talks about Christian discipline and, and how a father loves a son. You got that, Vicar? Yeah, for the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? And so that's part of the, the Christian life is discipline. And and so I would I would make a distinction here, okay, that there's a this is not punishment. Correct. This is discipline. What's the difference, Vicar? Well, uh, discipline is done out of love. The father is doing this out of love because he knows what is best for his child. And um, it is done so that the child would grow stronger in whatever we're talking about. Um, and, and when we're talking about God disciplining us by giving us various trials and crosses, it is to... Um, well, continue to, well, number one, uh, proclaim the name of Christ to the world mm-hmm. uh, for the sake of the gospel. This, this is done so that the gospel would be proclaimed. And um, I mean, go back yeah. also to uh, our, our, the, the reading we talked about from Matthew of the Canaanite woman, right? It was in her suffering that she persisted. Right. It was, you know, why why did Jesus act to her that way? Well, he was refining the gold hmm. that was in her. Mm-hmm. He was treating her as a daughter. He was showing her love as she wrestled with Jesus. And uh, that is bearing the cross. Yeah, absolutely. What it is. To bear the cross is to be Christian. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And I think we've, for the most part, we've covered this, but uh, when, when to be a Christian is not only to confess the name of, of our Lord, but it is to be brought into a life that is reflective of Christ, Jesus. And, and it's pretty clear in the scriptures that, that our Lord suffered in many, many and various ways, and his, his disciples did, the early church did, Paul did, um, and this is the path that all Christians go. And there is actually comfort to the listener as you're listening to this when you go through the fact that, for example, we've talked a lot about temptation, right? Mm -hmm. The fact that temptation is an issue and you're wrestling with temptation, Mm. that shows that the fact that you're wrestling shows that Christ is working in you. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the fact that you're wrestling and you're contemplating and you're troubled by your sinful desires it's not fun, but it shows Christ is working in you. He's doing something. Right. All of the Psalms of Lament are Psalms that are given by David, who is trusting God in his suffering. Even when it doesn't make sense, he still wrestles with God, and this is done out of faith, like we saw with the Canaanite woman, too. All right. So, next section What It Ain't. What It Ain't. It isn't just general suffering for suffering's sake. Everyone suffers. Right. Right? Yeah. And we've made a distinction that uh, that this is a Christian thing. This is something that faith brings. So I guess we've talked at length about that. Another what it isn't. 
something that can be afflicted by you to someone else or yourself in order to lead you to Christ. So what I mean by this is, is historically speaking, okay, there has been a, 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 a Christian thought that there is a high nobility in suffering in general. And so to the point of causing self-harm. Yeah, seeking it out. Seeking it out. Yeah. Because if I seek out and I pile on more more misery, more crosses upon myself, then I'll really be right. Regrow, and right. that's not how this works. No, that's not how it works. You know, for example, even martyrdom, right? You know, there is a the church has always seen a great uh, uh, nobility in martyrdom, dying for the faith, and I would agree with that, yeah. right? Yeah. But at the same time, you don't go seek out to be martyred. That's right. You know, think of all the Paul things Paul suffered. You know, he did so. He didn't want to be killed. He wanted to continue to do his work. Right. And and there is a strain in in bearing the cross that you that people might think, well, I'm going to add to this. Hmm. And actually, this is kind of an interesting thought. Okay. I've actually had this discussion um, with people um, in different places. In just general, I'm not, I'm not breaking any confidences here, okay? Where people actually put themselves in hard situations, and they don't really, they, when you think, they actually start to think it out, where they're, in a way, they want to seek out God's grace, and they do it by sinning. <laughs> hmm. In a way that it causes them to, it's like talking about like a spiritual self-harm, so that they can maybe see his grace or depend upon his grace. It's kind of a... Tw- a weird way of thinking about it, but that actually is a thought that people have had. Maybe it's a little bit more subconscious when you talk it out with them, where mm. where um, when they're un- people are under stress or something, they actually do some some things that that uh, aren't good for them, and and it's a, in a kind of a way. Well, I want to know God's grace better that He can forgive me, and so I put myself in weird situations. Right. Well, it's a danger of uh, relying on an individual's testimony. Well, I, you know, I'm not that big of a sinner. I've never done that. You and, know, I want a story like that. And it, yeah. and, it, and it turns, what it does is it turns the fact that faith looks to Christ right. and suffers because you because of Christ. Right. It makes it, I'm suffering because you're doing it to yourself. Right. And it yeah. becomes more self-involved than, than Christ-focused. Yeah. What it ain't. A way to see that God has forgotten you, which is... I mean, when you when you think of suffering or bearing the cross, it really the two ways that it leads, and I think Jesus bears this out in the parable of the sower. Um, sometimes it can choke out faith, hmm. you know, when the cares and concerns, or when the hmm. the roots aren't deep, and uh, and persecution comes. Right. But there's also. Uh, the the way of saying, but this is God strengthening right. me. Right. It doesn't mean that God has forgotten you. And I think we've said that a little bit. It's God treating you as a son yeah. or a daughter. Yeah. What it ain't. Bearing the cross isn't pointless hmm. or meaningless. No. No, and our, our, our God is continually... Uh, as as uh, you laid out in the in the verse from Romans, there is this progression 
our, our Lord is continually working on us. Uh, and it's not going to be perfected this side of eternity. That's the thing. It, that because our old man clings to our, you know, our, our nature, we will never rid him until, until the, the resurrection of the body. But that doesn't mean that our, our Lord just lets us stay the same. He's right. actually working on us, chipping away uh, continually, uh, and, and we are remembering our baptism daily. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's a work that will not be completed until our Lord's return. So. And so uh, the, the last section here is what it could be. What it could be. And, and what, I, what I mean by what it could be is then, because always, you know me, I like to end positive, right? Yeah, that's right. It is, it is how then, because it's always best in all things to consider these things before they happen. Yeah, absolutely agree. Yep. You know, so for example, um, uh, you know, if you, if you have someone that you, you argue with a lot, right? Mm-hmm. You should uh, talk to them. Oh, how can we handle argument in a more healthy way before you argue or yeah. when you're not arguing? Because what happens right. is you might end up arguing about not the issue, but about how you're arguing. So, so you know, you should be thinking about this also when clear-minded and consider this because you will have crosses that you will have to bear right? as a Christian. And so having a proper mind frame mm. and a way of looking at it before these things happen. Mm. And that's kind of my idea here behind the what it it could be. So when mm. these things happen... That, uh, you know, and that's why it's really why the importance of being in church every Sunday is, yeah. is because you might think, well, what am I going to use this? When am I going to need this? And then all of a sudden something happens and you're like, oh, I'm sure glad yeah. that I've, yeah. I'm, you know, I have this hope that I've had reiterated at me every Sunday that Jesus reminded me every Sunday that Jesus fed me with a body and blood. It's right. not something before it happens. Maybe you don't realize until... Um, you get a diagnosis or something happens uh, to one of your loved ones or whatever the case may be. And they're like, Oh, okay. So when it comes to cross bearing, so this is thinking ahead. Yeah. When these things happen. Yeah. Commit, commit Bible passages to memory and also uh, maybe pick out a couple solid hymns to mm -hmm. work on. Like why should cross and trial grieve me is a great one. That's applicable to this. Right. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of Paul Gerhardt hymns. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he knows what he's talking about. What it could be. Uh, something that uh, leads you to prayer. Yeah. Prayer can be wrestling. I mean, you can take the external, whatever it is, situation that you're dealing with and take it to your Lord in prayer. He asks for you to do that. He wants to hear his child bring and it to him. And a good portion of the Psalms is exactly that. Yeah. Wrestling. Yeah. And the beauty about the Psalms is it's two things. One, it is God's word and it is prayer. So, so you, yeah. and you're, you're praying, I wonder what God has to say. Why doesn't he answer me? And you're praying the Psalm. Well, he's kind of answering you. It's okay to, to pray for justice against your, your enemy who's oppressing you. And, and you're, you're bearing that cross. It's okay to pray for that. That's, that's in the Psalms of lament. And, it's okay to call God on his promises when you don't see them in your life. Yeah. Right. Yeah. What it could be. It, it could be, and it is an opportunity for you to turn your eyes to Christ Jesus rather than to yourself. Yeah. That's what we saw the gospel lesson we just talked about earlier, right? Uh, she had no hope. 
The only thing she had left was the mercy of Jesus. Yeah, she was not going to leave until right. she got the answer from Jesus that she came for. She wasn't going to leave. She continued to stay at his feet and cry out to, to him. What it could be. An example for you to give to others. What do I mean by that is as a pastor, I see this all the time. I see people who go through very, very difficult times and in those difficult times their witness to christ jesus is really impactful to other people and those around them yeah and and so so when you think of the crosses that you might bear because because faith and the faith that god gives us and the salvation he gives us teaches us and leads us to love others you know when you're going through a difficult time and a time of suffering um you know, you are an example, and people notice notice the hope that you have in the midst of suffering. Yeah, and I think that's one of your purposes with the Voices of Faith segment that you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the many reasons why we're doing that. By the way, I haven't forgotten that. It's just a little time-consuming to do those. Yeah, no doubt. I really want to do more, but uh, yeah. What it could be. It refines your gold. Yeah. It... Uh, it uh, refocuses you, and it, uh, and it, uh, the fact that God gives you Christian brothers and sisters who are with you as well mm. in the midst of bearing the cross, um, that it's not, I think we think can think of it as singularly that I'm doing it, but really what Jesus says in the, about the body of Christ, one hurts, right? everybody hurts. Right. Yeah, we drink of the one cup, we eat of the one bread. Holy Communion really brings brings this part of our Christian uh, fellowship out. And uh, when we go to the rail, we not only receive forgiveness, but we also acknowledge that we're all bearing the cross, not just individually, but as a family. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Good. That so, was good. Yeah. So we have an, a new segment. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. Hey, hey, Peter, for, for this segment, uh, um, it's uh, Vickers Book Club. And I just thought it would be have like if you have we could if I could find some like childlike music. Yeah, it's book time with Vicar. That's right. <laughs> Peter, play the intro. It's book time with Vicar. That's right. <laughs> All right, Vicar, what what do you have here? Okay, so today for my uh, for my book club, we are discussing the book "Has American Christianity Failed?" by Pastor Brian Wolfmuller, who's a pastor in Austin, Texas. And he also has a podcast too, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. Uh, started in seminary in the dorms, and has continued all of these years uh, into being a pastor, and and he still co-hosts with his same co-host years and years down the road. Um, and uh, thanks, thanks to the internet, they can do that. But yeah, he has a, he has a podcast. It's called Table Talk Radio. That's his original podcast, and he has a pretty uh, highly trafficked YouTube channel um, mm. where he uh, one of his newer segments I like is uh, the the drive the Sunday drive home from church. Now this wouldn't work too well in Hampton because you know it'd be a two minute segment. Yeah, you have a two minute segment, which maybe be okay for you know our maybe show for me. Yeah, yeah, for, and for you. <laughs> But uh, Pastor Wolfmuller has about a 25-minute commute from downtown Austin to uh, to his home. So 
Um, but anyway, he, he wrote a book, and the reason he wrote this book uh, was because he noticed the trends in, in uh, most of American Christianity, uh, specifically uh, this idea that the culture is one way that the Holy Spirit continues to speak in the world. Mm-hmm. A lot of our uh, mainline denominations in American Christianity have taken this approach, uh, and specifically it, it comes out usually with uh, the questions, who can be a pastor, um, and views on marriage, things like that. So they kind of go in line with what the culture is saying, because the Holy Spirit speaks through the culture. So mm-hmm. he wrote this book kind of to respond to that idea. And um, I'll be honest, listener, uh, I'm still working through it, because I... I uh, I'm reading it alongside about uh, 12 or 13 uh, members of this congregation here, uh, and they found it very uh, helpful so far. Um, so I'll just briefly touch on what Pastor Wolfmuller has brought to light in his book. Uh, he begins by, by using this kind of analogy that he thinks that in America we've kind of gotten nose blind to uh, trends that creep up in our thought. Nose blind is the idea that you can't smell the smell of your own house. Right. Or you don't smell like the pine scented candle at Christmas time because I don't know, you have a you have a pine tree in, in in the living room, things like that. Or like like every high school boy has done <laughs> is that that's like that blow into your hand to try and smell your breath. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Uh you your nose goes blind and and uh he argues that this is what's happened in a lot of American Christianity. So he goes through, and just to say generally, he's talking about how most of American Christianity has turned on itself, has turned in on the individual, and has lost the the focus on Jesus being the object, being the author and perfecter of our faith, as Hebrews says. Um, and the reliance of salvation is on me and my testimony and my life of good works and my enthusiasm in worship, you know, what emotionally I get out of worship. So he uh, he examines those characteristics and kind of goes into just what does the Bible say? Uh, we have a God who speaks to us through his word. Um, one common phrase in our society is, I'm spiritual but not religious. And he makes the point that that's essentially saying that you don't have a God who speaks to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, mostly because people don't want to hear the law. Um, they don't want to hear uh, that God actually has a will and um, that there's right and wrong, things mm-hmm. like that. Uh, so he, he talks about, well, where does God speak and how does he speak through his word? Um, and he goes on to talk about our fallen sinful nature. If you have a, a wrong understanding of what humans are at their very core, mm-hmm. you're going to go off, off track. So humans are not inherently good. Uh, right. We are inherently evil uh, and uh, corrupt. And then uh, the latest chapter is uh, my favorite one, which talks about the one who is always and only for you. And it's about Christ and how the whole Bible's about Christ, not just the New Testament, but the Old Testament. And it, it all points to Jesus. So um, as I look forward, there's even a chapter in here on uh, suffering and how prayer is a form of suffering for the Christian. It's a way that the Christian wrestles with God. So I have a question. Yeah. What, what what have the discussions looked like? Because that's, that's, yeah. that's what I'm kind of interested in, and I think the listener might be, 
is because it's a, a discussion. It's a club, a book club. Yeah. With uh, yeah. with members, what what are uh, what was uh, some things that kind of left a mark with them, and some sure. things that they might have questions about, yeah. or or some cons- or uh, some uh, thoughts, just maybe some things they hadn't thought of before. Yeah. So uh, one thing that really stood out to me was how a lot of them identified with those characteristics of American Christianity. They recognized that in their upbringing. Um, and it was a wide, there's a wide variety of ages. So they've, and I, in particular, I would probably say the, um, the eighties and the nineties. Um, but, uh, I think it, it kind of spans a, quite a few decades. It was a joy to see the, uh, kind of the light go on about like, this sounds familiar to me and, and then hear them talk about how much comfort they have in coming out of kind of this individual-based Christianity into a church like Trinity that they're at now, where it's all about Jesus completing the entire work of salvation for you. Mm -hmm. And it's not on your shoulders. And you don't have to go home thinking if you've said the sinner's prayer the right way or honestly or whatever it is. Like there are people that literally said, I stayed up at night for years during my life you know, early adulthood thinking, am I saved? Because I don't know because it relies on my decision. Right. But they've come out of that. So that's one helpful place. Another uh, helpful uh, discussion that we had recently was on uh, Genesis 3.15. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Uh, A couple points here. Um, This is spoken, of course, by God to the devil in the Garden of Eden following the fall into sin. And one thing is, I never thought of this, and, you know, vicars learn every day, but what's the seed of the devil? Like, I never actually thought the devil's an angel. We know that angels don't have children. What's the seed of the devil? And Pastor Wolf Mueller in our discussion was great on this, is that the seed of the devil is sin and death. That's the seed of the devil. Mm. And the seed of the woman, her seed, that's a proclamation of the virgin birth. Because right. in the Old Testament, you always talk about Abraham's seed, Jacob's seed. It's always the father. Well, God's saying that there's going to be a miraculous uh, virgin birth all the way in Genesis 3.15. Um, and then, of course, the the crushing of the head of the serpent. So uh, just a couple points there. But... One thing I enjoy, we have uh, ages, we have people in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, and and then 90, uh, 89, going on 90 this year. So that has been really cool for me just to... To bring those, yeah. those together. Yeah, and Christians, the wisdom from the old and the kind of the the tuning into the culture from the young where they kind of understand how people think maybe a little bit more and like bringing it all together right. is really cool. Cause, cause yeah. so the, the wisdom of the elderly, but then also the, the, the nose blindness. Yeah. That some of the older folks may have. Right. Right. And the young kind of kick them out of that and talk about, yeah, I know like all of my friends, like one guy was talking about how a whole lot of his friends don't go to church because they feel like they're too much, they sin too much or they feel like they're they're too sinful essentially and and just talking about 
you know, uh, proclaiming God's word to these people um, and what we can do as a church, because these are all members of the church, in uh, continuing to encourage these people to come back and receive the forgiveness that Christ offers to them. So it's been great so far, and and maybe a little later on I'll, I'll give more of an update on how we go. We meet once a week, and we read about 40 pages well, you'll like, you'll have so, to have another section because so. Peter just put an intro for it. I, I'm signed up. <laughs> I signed the contract. <laughs> well, and that really brings us into our uh, next uh, segment. Is it? Oh, are we gonna do it? Let's do it. Maybe. <laughs> can I? Can Woo! I? Can I let the listener in on, on what my idea was? Well, my idea was, and I think we can still do it, right? Yeah. It's. It's. Yeah. Go ahead. The idea is because uh, uh, there's this whole meme thing that I don't understand. I'm not even sure what a meme is. And so I thought it would be funny to have our producer try to explain a meme in a way that a pastor could understand. <laughs> uh, well, here's an, a news article called What is a Meme? Here's Everything You Need to Know by John Martindale. It says, confused about memes? That's partly the point. <laughs> oh. Okay. Like Egyptian hieroglyphics, you either need to be a fluent speaker or possess a re- uh, Rosetta Stone-like resource to understand them. Well, that explains why I don't understand it. Uh, they're a cultural shorthand that, like all forms of communication, evolve with those who use them. Nobody can claim to know or understand every single meme that exists. There are simply too many... And they're often, uh, they can often be too personal to the individuals creating and sharing them. Okay, I got a point. I'm going to bring this into a theological point. All right? I'm ready for it. So, so it is a, 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 like a cultural shorthand that it just expects people to know and understand. That it kind of evolves over time, right? Yeah. I think that's... You can... It's like a... It's like a, a sh- Maybe maybe the best analog for you. Sorry, I shouldn't have interrupted your point. Are you gonna keep hold on to it? Okay, mental snapshot. Okay, go. I think maybe the best way to for an analog for someone who's maybe a little older is it's like watching that really popular TV show every week. Hmm. And it builds and builds until you know you're ten seasons deep, and you have the lore of all the previous ten seasons. So there are a lot of jokes in the 10th season that some people might not get because they're callbacks to all the way at episode one. Okay. That's, that's kind of how meme culture has progressed over the past 10 years or so. Okay, here's, my, here's my point before okay. I lose it. All right? My, my point is this. I think this could actually happen within the church. Okay. Using certain wording or things that someone coming may not completely understand. And you just assume that everyone knows. Yeah, ins- it's like the inside baseball, using terms. And and we, I think, yeah, pastors and vicars need to be careful uh, with uh, using too much inside baseball. Uh, and what I mean by that are terminology that only people that have been LCMS their whole life or Lutheran their whole life would understand. Yeah. And maybe there aren't even... Maybe people don't even know anymore. <laughs> it's kind of one of those things. Yeah. Well, I think we, we've we done enough. <laughs> we tried. What do you think, Pete? 
Oh, I've got another five minutes to kill. <laughs> so I wanted to finish my point. If I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this right. Okay. So, so as I was saying, it's a it's it's a evolution, right? Mm-hmm. So the first memes were just pictures of animals, and uh, the first what is commonly referenced as the first meme that ever really went public and went around the internet was can i has cheeseburger so if you were to google can i can i has h-a-z cheeseburger with a z for cheese it's just a cat that looks real happy and says can i has cheeseburger Mm -hmm. okay and uh back in the you know 2018 or sorry uh, 2008 that was that was funny that was some good stuff (laughs) <laughs> right and you guys are enjoying it like it's it's a good you is know it's gonna be the way someone talks about us in 12 years <laughs> this top top tier internet comedy it's kind of like guy. when if someone were to listen and say what is their obsession with oklahoma right yeah and so now it started there right and it progressive it got progressively more obscure and so now, one of my favorite genres of memes are actually called surreal memes. <laughs> Where you get stuff like this. <laughs> Which, I, I can't describe anything that's going on on our screen right now. Because it's quite surreal. But... <laughs> Any uh, Gen Z person, you know, any Zoomers out there, we're looking at any of these memes, they're dying laughing, okay? <laughs> but none of these make any sense to you guys. Oh, uh, yes. And so maybe we can make that, Peter. This is where we, we need your help, okay? We need to start a clerical heirs meme. It gets 74 right. million... I'm going to post a surreal meme this week on Facebook, all right? Okay. <laughs> I'll I'll make a clerical errors surreal meme. Awesome. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I can't wait. And if if you would like to support the surreal meme part, you can find us on <laughs> Facebook, Twitter, Patreon, uh clericalairs.org um, and uh, any of those podcast uh, apps that you have man this these surreal memes are <laughs> messing with me right now I don't know what's going on it's like a mannequin with yeah I don't know I'm trying to do Pete. not I'm trying all right whoo all right we got a berg back in here yeah we need berg because you think that's the thing with the memes is I need his reaction to this too, so. All right. Well, we'll get his we'll get his reaction. Maybe I'll hold off on posting so uh, we can get his reaction to the meme live before I post it on Facebook. There you go. All right. And this is this is this is funny. Okay, Peter, we're gonna ask Berg if he listened to the episode because I'm not sure he he will. <laughs> and so, <laughs> so when we we spring this on him. We'll see if it's new or not, if he actually listened. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I can't wait. <laughs> All right.
<laughs> this will so be amazing. How, so how can they get a hold of us? Uh, at me, bro, on Twitter. Uh, our uh, associate producer's been all over Twitter lately. Great. And oh, yeah. She uh, she was helping me a lot today. Uh, we're recording this Sunday night, like you said. And uh, she had some, some pretty good tweets today. Uh, I had a very little bit of a laugh because she started saying, I'm living the dream today, listening to clerical errors before church while drinking yesterday's cold coffee. And then the next tweet said, hey, you didn't ask what this week what everyone was drinking. Well, you're in for it now because caffeine makes me very chatty. Followed by six or seven more tweets. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But she also was kind enough to write a uh, a episode uh, summary, which I am going to put on the, the website. Oh, for the episode. Yep. Wow. I can't wait to see what Hannah writes about our meme conversation. <laughs> All right. I think we are done now. Thank you for listening to the Clerical Heirs podcast. I'm Bullhagen. And I'm Vicar. And Peter's here. Uh, thank you for listening, and may your memes, memes be, be surreal. surreal. <laughs> thank you for joining us. This podcast is available on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Questions, thoughts, concerns? You can contact us on Facebook at facebook.com slash podcast, on Twitter at clericalheirsp for podcast, or email us at feedback at clericalheirs.org. Thanks for listening to Clerical Heirs. See you next time.